listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this week three episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Borhawk Mallows. Joining me this week is my regular wingman, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? Flexing this Oh my god, I'm so tired. So tired. But no, I'm good. I'm good. I wouldn't have been able to tell you were tired with the way you were just flexing on the screen there. <laughs> flexing oh, those muscles. Is, it is. No matter how tired I am, I can flex. Do not worry. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out, Marcus is here, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Join us after this short break for our quick fire roundup of the week three action. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. International Podcast Day is dedicated to promoting podcasting worldwide. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. First, head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Second, use hashtag podcast day to join in the conversation. Remember September 30th. Now, let's start the conversation. Okay, so now it's time for our quick fire roundup of the week three action. And we are going to start in the deep south in Dallas, Texas. Atlanta Falcons versus Dallas Cowboys. What to say about this game? Dallas O-line and their run game came to play strong as ever, even without DeMarco Murray. Question is, how much was DeMarco Murray? How much was that O-line? Well, this week, Randall had a great game rush for three touchdowns. Cowboys were up 28-17 at the half, but... Never count the Falcons out. Another late comeback led by Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Oh yeah, and Whedon played okay, I suppose. Atlanta won this one 39-28. Now we scoot on over to Washington versus the New York Giants. A dominant defense and some special team magic uh, left Washington completely stunned and they missed a load of opportunities to catch themselves back into this game, leaving Manning and uh, some of his star wide receivers a chance to go out and and win this game. New York Giants route them out 32-21. And sneak preview, we're going to come back to the Redskins season later in the show. We move on to the San Diego versus Minnesota game. San Diego offense was non-existent in this game. Teddy Bridgewater struggled for the first time this season, but luckily he had a pick six from Chad Greenway to help him out. And of course, all day Adrian Peterson was back this week 20 carries for 126 yards and two touchdowns watch out world because all day is back Minnesota 31 San Diego 14 now to Carolina where New Orleans came into town and Cam Newton found Greg Olsen to inspire Carolina passing New Orleans without Drew Brees under center Josh Norman also had an amazing pick to shut down any chance of a revival by New Orleans later in the second half Carolina went on to win this one 27-22 we move on now to Denver versus Detroit and it would be really easy to talk about Peyton Manning in this game but I'm going to be different I'm going to talk about that Denver defense which has been so strong this year getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks put pressure on Stafford forced turnovers there was a great pick by David Bruton which I'm going to put in the show notes all season that D is stepping up and on a side note Megatron aka Calvin Johnson made some great catches Denver 24 Detroit 12 
Now, AFC North time when Cincinnati played Baltimore. An action-packed fourth quarter saw 31 points as Cincinnati and Baltimore traded punch for punch in this absolute AFC North grudge match. With Andy Dalton and AJ Green stealing the show nicely at the end, Cincinnati held on to win this one 28-24. I guess we could say the good Andy Dalton is back. The good one. <laughs> We move on now to the AFC East where Buffalo travelled all the way down to the warmer climates of Florida and boy did they take a cold front with them. Former Dolphins came to play with Clay and Iglonito playing really well, Clay getting a touchdown against his former side, Tyrod Taylor had a big day, 277 yards, three touchdowns, Carlos Williams had another big game as well, 110 yards on the day and a touchdown run, while McCoy's struggling with that little hamstring, he's going to get a lot of action and oh yeah. Tannehill threw two touchdowns along with his three picks. Buffalo won this one quite comfortably 41-14. Oakland travelled off to Dog Pound and Cleveland where offensive reigned supreme as the Raiders pack over 400 yards on the Browns on the day. A valiant rally on the second half made this a closer game than it ever was by the Cleveland Browns but really was never in doubt as Oakland went on to solidify this one as a 27-20 win going to stay on the west side of the country with San Francisco versus Arizona what can I say about this game (laughs) struggling for words lost for words at how bad the 49ers were in this game fair play to Arizona with how well that defense played Kaepernick's first two throws picked sixes from the Cardinals defense Tyrion Matthew the safety for the Cardinals otherwise known as the Honey Badger was having a field day against this 49ers team they were just woeful wouldn't surprise me if they end up getting the first pick in the draft next year Uh, also Palmer and Fitzgerald on fire Larry Fitzgerald having a season to die for I'm thinking of Larry Fitzgerald there was a massive touchdown we took a big hit and I'm going to put that in the show notes and stop talking now Arizona 47 (laughs) San Francisco 7 Tampa Bay came into Houston down in that Texas sunshine and Texas run game came alive and the defense kept Winston in check as Houston held on for their first win of the year it was nicely cemented with Tampa Bay kicking absolutely awfully on the day which never went to help which meant Houston managed to run away with this 19 points to 9 We go now to Indianapolis versus Tennessee, and this was quite a barn burner, to be honest with you. Colts took an early lead, 14-0 lead. Tennessee started to come back into it with the help of a couple of interceptions from Andrew Luck. Mariota was looking really comfortable until he had his first interception of his young career. They went on to score 27 unanswered points, but never count out Andrew Luck, and came back with two passing touchdowns to see the Colts to victory, 35-33. We now go to Jacksonville in New England and Tom Brady led an offensive masterclass as the Patriots returned to the undefeated form of 07. And can anyone stop them now? Definitely not the Jags. They struggled on offense, special teams and defense, unfortunately, as New England absolutely put a cavalcade to them. New England won this one comfortably, 51 points to 17. What's a cavalcade? I don't know. It came to me. I don't know. <laughs> Does anyone out there know what it means? Perhaps you can get in touch with us and let us know what a cavalcade is, remember? Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. We move on now to Pittsburgh versus St. Louis and a game where there's not really much to talk about except for that injury to Ben Roethlisberger which looks like it's going to keep him out for a very long time. Another nasty knee injury that always has myself and Marcus just going... Whenever we see the replays, Michael Vick back on the playing field. Oh, yeah. And of course, the game was delayed by 26 minutes thanks to the pitch catching fire. Say what? That's correct. You didn't mishear me. The pitch caught fire thanks to the pyros. Anyway, Pittsburgh won this game 12 to 6. 
Now it's sleepy seeing Seattle well it was for Chicago anyway, because Jimmy Clausen's season opener for the Bears hit the rocks against the stout Seahawk defense. Uh, Lynch ended up getting hurt sort of early on in the game, and, but Graham did manage to get his first score along with the fact that Chancellor came in for quite a quiet return for his first game back. However, Seattle managed to see this for an easy win, 26 points to zero. And with Chancellor coming back, of course, came back from his holdout without getting a new contract. So he came back because he wanted to play for his team, which is what we said a couple of weeks ago on the show, wasn't it? So fair play to your Chancellor. You're going to earn your new contract if you, if you turn up and play well every game this year. My last game of the week is Philadelphia versus the New York Jets. Darren Sproles had a punt return for 89 yards. This guy, you should never write him off. He always finds a way to make a big play. Uh, there was that interesting play from Brandon Marshall where he caught a pass, decided to go for a lateral and ended up throwing it straight back to the defence. Uh, I believe he's described it as the worst play he's ever seen and rightly so. <laughs> Eagles dominated being 24-7 up at halftime. DeMarco Murray didn't play uh, because of his injury prior to the game. Not much else to say. 24-17 to Philadelphia. And I'm going to finish it up on Monday Night Football. Casey came into Lambeau to Green Bay. Uh, three rushing touchdowns by Jamal Charles couldn't help Casey in the rain. A seven sacks by the Green Bay defense. An explosive offense. Aaron Rodgers and all those wide receivers not missing Jordy Nelson at all as they sunk the Chiefs 38 points to 14. And with that, join us after this short break when we'll be back with our weekly thoughts. You got an orange peanut? Yeah. An orange peanut? Mm -hmm. For me? That's right. Oh, wow. An orange peanut? Well, I accept you. You are listening to Spitball. We now move on to our weekly thoughts slash musings from the week three action. The first thing I want to come back to is that injury to Big Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that really changed that game against St. Louis, didn't it? Kind of, yeah. I mean, the problem was um, we had no run game. St. Louis had no run game whatsoever. Um, and it, it became a little bit of a, a defensive sort of ground ground out. But yeah, I mean, why they had to keep showing it in replay, in super slow motion, cringe mode completely. Yeah, those kind of injuries. Yeah, we mentioned before. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting noise. And I think that, that best sums it up. I mean, it wasn't the the greatest show or greatest game even, to be honest with you. So no, it wasn't. I was watching it by Red Zone. I think I saw Red Zone, the Rams game, Rams Steelers twice because that was about all either of us got into the Red Zone. I'm going to be honest. My highlight from that game was the fact that they had to wait 26 minutes to clean up the pitch that burnt. <laughs> that AstroTurf just singed nicely under the pyrotechnic. Yeah, and there, was, there was some... Um, um, great defensive play, some um, sacks. I mean, both defensive lines just annihilated each other's run games. But the problem was it was like two massive boxers who like just uppercutted each other at the same time and were both lying knocked out on the floor. Yeah, and I think with that, we'll leave that one there. Done. What I want to talk to you about, because it's something I've been wanting to talk about for a couple of weeks now, is the Washington Redskins. Now, I don't want to talk about quarterback controversy. What I want to talk is the heart of the problem for me. It's got to be the head coach. It's got to be Jay Gruden. They've tried Kirk Cousins. It's not working. They kept pulling and putting back in RG3. It's not working. That's the head coach's responsibility, right? Surely that must come down on, on his shoulders. It's the, it's the play calls. I mean, they had chances to beat New York. I mean, they beat the Rams, right? And they beat the Rams by taking a few risks. And you know what they went? They went super conservative against the New York Giants and they got beat. 
nicely. Well, we've seen it with the New York Giants have played conservative the first two weeks, missed opportunities to win games, like throwing them away, and where's it ended them? It ended them at 0-2. Managed to beat the Washington Redskins because they kind of just, they let, Manning have a few shots up the field with Odell Beckham. They managed to blitz a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball, take a few risks. What they do, they came away with two interceptions. Um, Washington sort of fell back into this this shell. But it's not just this season that they've had the problem, though, is it? For me, it is since oh, no. Jay Gruden's come in. It's the last year and a half or so, at least. I think it's been there a year and a half. Has he been there two years now, I think, Gruden? I'm trying to think. The last time I remember Jay Gruden, he was at Cincinnati. And that was with when the hard knocks was a couple of seasons, like at least two seasons of hard knocks ago. Yeah, because we've had Falcons and Texans since then, haven't we, on the hard knocks series? So, yeah, yeah. nice little so plug for the hard knocks been... series as well. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know whether you agree then. Do you think that does fall on the head coach's shoulders, that problem? It's starting to now because you know what? You can't blame him on the quarterback because he's running the same system RG3 failed at. Oh, what a surprise. He's not really doing it either. And they've got a great running back in Alfred Morris. Uh, they did have some great talent on defence, admittedly, last year that they've lost, i.e. Brian Arakpo, who they've lost to the Titans. But even still, I think it's got to come down to that coach stuff. But I'm going to leave that there and um, we will move on to what your musings are. Oh, my word. What has really been grinding me up has been penalties. Oh, what a way to slow down a game. I mean, I've been really nerdy. Super nerdy. 229 penalties this week with an average of 14.3 per game. The highest was 22. Um, I can't remember which game that is. I should have written it that down. The but lowest. the lowest was 10. I've got all, all 16 games. The highest in one game was 22 penalties. 22 penalties. You're playing 60 minutes. That's a penalty every three minutes. Was that the Ravens game? Uh, no, but that was 19. Oh, okay, yeah, so close, fair enough. I thought there was a lot of penalties. So which game had the most penalties in then? I I can track that back for you. It was the third game I checked out, which is going to be... (laughs) Would you add an amoeba? Oakland versus Cleveland. (laughs) What a surprise, the Raiders had the most penalties. (laughs) Yeah, not Um, see that coming, but carry on, buddy. But it's just... You're sitting there going, either the refs are being more stringent or teams are making stupid penalties. And I must admit, some of the times I'm looking at them, I was watching a couple of games. There's a lot. I mean, and I know it's week three and some players are still, some, especially the people who are filling in for maybe people who have gone injured early in the season. Maybe that second stringer who didn't think he'd be starting it already. You know, there's a lot of false starts and, and illegal formations and offsides and just mental errors, which just slow down the game. I mean, fair enough, the ones, you know, you smack someone, you light someone up illegally, like you just helmet him. Yeah, fair enough. You throw a flag on that. Like all the little silly penalties where you're sitting there or or even the little ticky tacky ones like, oh, defensive holding. He kind of pulled your shirt, shirt on the other side of the field where the ball was thrown. Oh, you know, you're slowing down the game and it was really just annoying me <laughs> well that's understandable <laughs> my friend but i just want to on that front on the offsides front you just reminded me of something else i wanted to talk about is aaron mm. Rodgers possibly the best quarterback with a hard count because for me he seems to be the one that draws the opposition offsides the most oh yeah i mean definitely i mean don't get me wrong there is a oh, the offsides ones actually don't quite count as the ticky tacky ones because that's the offense that's scheming that's ingenious okay the false start ones uh, guys, you know when the ball's going to get snapped. Wake the f- up. Yeah, but you must have that in your flag team as well. I know we're plagued by it as well a little bit at times. Even when two seconds before you said the snap count, sometimes you get to the line, you think, right, this is the route I'm running. And then you go, oh, uh, 
was a snap count. But then having said that, that's also why you should always be looking at the ball before the snap. <laughs> but the fact is they've, they've cracked crack down on a couple of the other penalties, like the, the defensive holding and stuff like that. And, you know, when it's blatant pass interference, great. Call that because, you know, that can really make change a game if like defenders pulled the guy all the way down the field. When the guy's kind of like sort of grabbed a shirt in passing and then let go straight away, man, let him play. Let him play because then you've got to stop. Take 30 seconds to go all the referees to clumber together. Take another 30 seconds to then talk it over. And then another couple of 30 seconds for the guy to run up, go, uh, defensive holding on number blah, 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 blah. And then them to reset the ball and, and carry on again. And it's just like, let him play. Use a little common sense. That referee sounded an awful lot like you drafting in our fantasy draft a couple of years ago. Stephen Redley, running back, New England Patriots. <laughs> Ah, you leave my uh, draft voice alone. My draft voice is amazing, Archie. Coming quickly back to fantasy football, just because I can. <laughs> uh, have you seen who's now top of our conference in our fantasy football? No. Well, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, two and one. Fine. We're all on the. Well, three of us are on the same record. Uh, the Lilitron, bless him, is zero and three, so he's probably going to have a winless season. But yeah, so all tied after the first three weeks of uh, division games but we're going to leave that there because I don't want to bore our listeners too much with that do you have any other musings from this week sir? I mean there were some other injuries where you, again you're sort of sitting there no, I'm noticing the injury count is incredibly high this year but we've already rambled on about that I think a week or two ago indeed and I think with that we are going to leave this segment there and when we come back we will have our weekly impact player and our Sweet. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. It's time to go eat, baby. See, see. You got some hungry dogs over here. Apple! Orange! Orange! Hot potato. I don't want no crackers! I'm hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him, he hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll brown these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. It's now time for our weekly Impact Player and our So, with that said, Marcus, you get the chance to start on both categories this week. So, who is your Impact Player? Okay, my Impact Player, I've gone a little bit outside of left field just because, you know what, I'm actually... uh, Rob Preston is playing, and I've actually gone for Derek Carr, quarterback of Oakland Raiders. Ooh. And the reason is because he's developing like an NFL quarterback should. A lot of NFL quarterbacks have that slump um, as they come into the league, they get into the second league, and they should peak, they don't, and it, their career disintegrates. However, he's really starting to actually mature. Okay, he's got some weapons around him now. Amari Cooper looks amazing. Um, however, you're sitting there going uh, 20 completions out of 32 attempts, 314 yards, two touchdowns, pretty damn good quarterback rating. But it's, it's decision-making for me is the fact is he's not risking the ball. Browns had a great uh, defense, but they couldn't sack him because he was, he was uh, mobile in the pocket. And he's developing. He's If you imagine those those charts where you see them and they get a little rocky year one as you're learning the thing and then they're supposed to start peaking as you settle into the league. I, I think that's what he's doing. So the fact that Oakland have a winning record, I think it's a lot on the fact that Derek Carr is maturing as a quarterback and he's making impact on games that count. That is why he's my impact player. I don't need to say any more than that, to be honest with you, so I'm going to move swiftly into my Impact Player. And this week, I have gone with Mr. A.J. 
Green. I mean, this guy never ceases to amaze me. The Baltimore Ravens, I said this in the blog, they must absolutely hate this guy. Last couple of years, he's made big plays with the game on the line. This week, not one, but two touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter that essentially won the Bengals the game. Both of them at the time they were losing, needed a touchdown to win that 80-yard reception where he broke about two tackles, ran backwards at one point, finished up in the end zone, what a great touchdown. And the, the one late on at the sort of back of the end zone or side of the end zone, tippy toes, catching the pass. See you later, Ravens. We are the Bengals and we like to beat you. Uh, 10 receptions, 227 yards, two touchdowns. Um, do you want to give a special shout out to Steve Smith Sr. also, who had an amazing game and made some big plays again for the Ravens. But unfortunately for Steve Smith, Joe Flacco just couldn't make decisions at the end of the game when it counted so that is why AJ Green my impact player this week like you said when you end up taking out two defenders when they're supposed to be tackling you it's pretty good now we move on to the Marcus Uh, my swing of this week uh, goes down to the fact that I believe that Jacksonville rocking up to Indianapolis uh, Indianapolis fans Colts fans, breathe a sigh of relief. You know, you took it on Tennessee. You've got a win in the column. Guess what? You're getting a second one. Um, Jacksonville coming into town after a poor performance in New England. I don't think they can do much better. Indianapolis are going to want to give their home fans something to believe in. And this is just like a, a meal sitting in their laps that they've just got to snatch. They can have their own little 40 points, 10 if they really want to. Defense wants to wake up and turn up and not give up 27 unanswered points. It's all up to you, Indianapolis. However, because of the tenuous amount of your season, I'm only going to put it on this like 60-40. I'd like to see you absolutely blow them out of the water. However, I'm going to be sensible and you're going to win by 10 points, maybe something like 27-17. Nice. I think it'll blow teams out of the water. Do you remember my of the week from last week? I said that Seattle would win by 21 points or more. And what was the final score in that game? 26-0. So who the man? Who's finally got a... Right. (laughs) Fair play, sir. Fair play. So with that said, I am going to look to carry on my triumphant feat. And I am going with the Miami Dolphins and New York Jets game being played here at Wembley in London. What a great game it's going to be, I hope anyway, because I will be going. I'm going with Miami to take this one, 60-40, by seven points there or thereabouts. And after that humiliating defeat to the Bills, I think they're going to <laughs> the trip to London is going to be just what they need and they're going to get back to winning ways, especially with how badly that Jets team played against the Eagles this week. And I'm sure you're not going to doubt me, or are you? No, I, I think scratch off the record. It's looking like it's going to be solid. I'm looking forward to the Wembley game. I really am. Yeah, should be a good one. And if anyone's going, look out for the folks in the Aylesbury Vale Spartan shirts. We will see you there. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. 
Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. It remains for me to thank my amazing wingman slash co-host slash general all-rounder. Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. It's a pleasure, buddy. Honour and privilege every single week. Peeps, I love this job. And also a big shout out and thank you to our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions. Remember, we are downloadable on iTunes and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the Awake Radio Network. If you want to get in touch with us, remember. Hey, guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And you can also contact us on Twitter at Audrey Mallows, at ballhawksnest and at Marcus underscore innuendo. And until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Bye.